Say this out loud with me. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word, I believe His word, and I live by His word. Christ is my master, and to Him I am an absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor, tell them, watch the ants. Turn the other way and tell them, watch the ants. And you can sit down. This morning, we are going to learn something about ants. On a, some interesting facts about ants. There are uh, over 12,000 known species of ants. Ants can lift about 20 times their own body weight. An ant brain has about 250,000 brain cells. So if you put 40,000 ants together in the same place, you have the brain equivalent to a human. About 10,000 million brain cells. The uh, abdomen of the ant also contains two stomachs. One stomach holds food for itself and then the second stomach is food for other ants. And interestingly, ants are clean and tidy insects. Ants tend to live in colonies or uh, societies. Some colonies could have uh, just a couple of uh, dozens of ants and some of them, some could be large territories with millions of ants. And within these colonies, they have uh, different uh, types of ants. There are, there are sterile female ants that are either worker ants or soldier or army ants. There are uh, fertile males called drones and there are fertile females called queens. You'll find a few queens in typical ant colony. And these colonies sometimes are described as superorganisms because the ants appear to operate in such a unified manner, worked so well together collectively. And there's also division of labor. There's a communication between individual ants and even the ability to solve complex problems among ants. There are worker ants and the most majority, you'll find many, many worker ants in a, in a colony. And, and they look out for food, bring food into the, the nest. They also look after the young larvae protect them, take them into the nest during night, bring them out and uh, serve the colony. And ants are very tidy. They also put their rubbish, not anywhere like us, but ants put their rubbish in a special rubbish dump. These worker ants do that. The uh, life expectancy of these ants, you know, the queens could live up to 30 years. The worker ants could live from one to three years and males are pretty transitory. They live a couple of weeks, 45 to 60 days. In the tropics, the ants are active all year long, but in areas where it's more wintry, they work hard during summer and during the winter times, they go into a state of uh, reduced activity or dormancy. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. Here's what the Lord says. He says, go to the ant, you sluggards, consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer or ruler... Provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? 
a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. I like to read this from the Message Bible, which is a more contemporary English. It says this, you lazy fool, look at an ant, watch it closely, let it teach you a thing or two. Nobody has to tell it what to do. All summer, it stores up food. At harvest, it stockpiles provisions. So how long are you going to laze around doing nothing? How long before you get out of bed? A nap here, a nap there, a day off here, a day off there. Sit back, take it easy. Do you know what comes next? Just this. You can look forward to a dirt poor life, poverty, your permanent house guests. Here ends the reading. You know, God's wisdom and greatness is uh, embedded in his creatures or in his creation. And we can look at his creatures or creation and learn lessons from it. And in fact, God tells us, he says, go look at the ant. So tell your neighbor, look at the ant. He says, go look at the ant and learn some lessons from it. Let it teach you a lesson or two. Go to the ant. You know, at the beginning of every new year, many of us make resolutions. It's very rare that nobody ever decides to do something and uh, we set some goals we set some you know we kind of maybe create some new dreams for the year and say you know this year I'm going to go after these things and uh, for many of us before the end of the first week we're already out of some of them and it, it you know we don't have uh, the strength to continue in it in those resolutions so this morning I just want us to look at the ants learn some lessons from these ants which hopefully will help you and me to pursue through, to follow through on the resolutions that we've made. You know, maybe you decided at the beginning of the year, I'm going to read my Bible a little more. Or I'm going to, you know, spend a little bit more time in prayer this year. Maybe I'm going to be regular every Sunday at church. Maybe, you know, like many of us do, I'm going to exercise. So you were there at the gym, Jan 2nd. Or maybe I'm going to eat better. I'm going to watch my diet. I'm going to make sure I don't eat unnecessary stuff and, and many other things that we could set. I mean, if you're a student, you've maybe set some goals for your studies. You know, I've got to improve my grades. If you're a working professional, you've set some goals. You know, I've got to see these things happen in my professional life and so on. And, and, but somehow we, might, we tend to lose steam. And hopefully this message here this morning will help you and me to follow through on some of the resolutions we've made. There are three things I want to bring our attention to about the ants. Number one, the first thing is ants are highly motivated. Now, we're six says this in verse 7. It says from the Message Bible, nobody has to tell it what to do. It has no captain, no chief, no overseer, no ruler. Yet when you watch these colonies of ants and you see so many of them, everyone is just going around just so perfectly, all working together. You don't see any traffic police among them. There are no ants saying, you stop, you come, you go. Nothing. They're just all working together. They have no overseer, no ruler, no chief. Nobody has to tell them what to do. But every, every little ant is doing its part. And they're doing it for a higher cause. For the sake of their colony. For their society. They're working together. They're highly organized. Now, one of the biggest challenges you and I face in pursuing dreams and goals is staying motivated. Now, it's good to have mentors. We cannot question that. We cannot question the value of Mentors or counselors or trainers or teachers or tutors. They can influence us, motivate us, and it is, it is good to have right mentors. 
They help us avoid costly mistakes. They can impart to us wisdom which may take a lifetime for us to learn. And they can give it to us in a moment. Because they've been through things before us. And one right person influencing your life correctly can unleash your greatness. So without a doubt, mentors have value. Great value in our lives. But what I want us to understand is that all lasting change comes from within. So look at your neighbor and tell them all lasting change comes from within. So while mentors, counselors, advisors, trainers, coaches, tutors can have and do have powerful influence on our lives, all lasting change must and will come from within. So the motivation, the inspiration that comes to us externally from our mentors, our counselors, our guides, our our coaches, our trainers, etc., must ultimately become an innate inspiration, something that springs up from within you, something that comes up from inside you, that motivates you, that propels you to pursue the goals you set for yourself. Amen? Because all lasting change comes from inside you. Secondly, ants have foresight. They are forward-looking. Proverbs 6 verse 8 says, you know, they gather their food in summer and during harvest time they are storing up, obviously, for the winter. So it is important for us to have foresight, to look ahead, plan for things yet to come. Bible also teaches us in Proverbs 22 verse 3, a prudent man foresees evil and hides himself, but the simple pass on and are punished. A prudent man is a man who foresees evil. He looks up ahead. What's coming? And he takes precautionary measures. He takes corrective action to prepare himself for what's yet up ahead. It's being prudent in life. But then, you know, many of us have issues of, with planning. Because there are other scriptures that kind of tend to confuse us. For example, Matthew 6.34, Jesus said, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So we think, you know, Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. What are you saying, Pastor, plan for tomorrow? You know, I'm a Jesus guy. (laughs) But Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. He didn't say, don't plan for tomorrow. These are two different things, as I said last Sunday. These are two different things. You can have no plans and yet be absolutely worried about tomorrow. Or you can plan and not be worried. Because planning is having foresight, looking up ahead, and uh, getting yourself ready for tomorrow. There's another passage that challenges us in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 16. James says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city. We'll spend a year there. We will buy and sell and make profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So we read James, where James says, you know, don't boast like this. Don't say, you know, I'll go and do this and this, make profit, and this is what my life will all be. Don't boast that. But what you should be saying is, if the Lord wills. The point James wants us to understand is not that we should not prepare for tomorrow or not have plans for the future, but everything must be done in dependence on God rather than dependence on self. If it's dependence on self, that is arrogance, he says. Are you all with me? Because the same God who wrote through James also wrote in Proverbs saying, look at the ant. Learn some lessons from the ant. What does the ant do? It prepares for winter during summer. It's having foresight. It's looking ahead. It's forward looking. Learn that lesson from the ants. So we must learn to have foresight. Proverbs 4 and verse 26 says, ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Ponder the path of your feet. Think about where 
this road is taking you. Think about it. Ponder on the path of your feet. So the God encourages us to consider carefully where we are going. The third thing about ants are that ants are very diligent, hardworking. In fact, they are one of the best examples from nature on working hard, on diligence. As Proverbs tells us, you know, learn something from the ants. Don't be lazy. Don't crave for more sleep and and neglect hard work. Ants are hardworking. They carry sometimes up to 20 times their own weight. They carry a heavy workload. And you see them very busy. You know, you don't find any ants saying, okay, now I'm going off for a coffee. See you guys later. (laughs) They're all working together. And and, and, let's keep going and going and going. Ants are hardworking. There are several other scriptures that teach us this. You know, Proverbs 10 verse 4. He who has a slack hand or a lazy hand becomes poor. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. Being diligent, hardworking, gotcha's will bring increase, will bring profit, will bring wealth into your life. Proverbs 13 and verse 4. It says, the soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made rich. The lazy man has desires. He creates dreams and then goes to sleep. But the hand of the diligent, he has desires, he has dreams, but then he follows through with action. And he says, such a person who's diligent, he's going to be made rich. And what you and I must understand is that, you know, we must couple diligence with endurance. Because we could be diligent about something, maybe the first week. You get up, you're so diligent about it. You know, go to the gym, exercise, do this, do that. First week, you're on time, everything, very diligent. But then it lasts for a week, maybe two weeks. But that's not enough. You say, where's my reward? You know, I, I dieted for two weeks. Well, it requires maybe more than two weeks. So you need a couple diligence with endurance to see result, to see the outcome, to see profit. God's never in a hurry. So what he requires from us is endurance. And remember this, that endurance is one of your greatest weapons. Endurance enables you to outlast adversity and demoralize the enemy. What's going to last? You or your adversity? Endurance will ensure that you outlast adversity and that you demoralize the enemy. Because the devil is quite persistent. You and I would have realized that life really is a series of battles with short intervals to reflect and be renewed. You know, as you just finish one battle... You've come through victorious and you're celebrating. Another battle is at your door. And you go through that battle and maybe this time you get defeated, but it's okay. You know that one failure doesn't make you a failure in life. But you're just reflecting, you're learning some things from that battle. And before you can go through and reflect, there's another battle waiting for you. So life essentially is a series of battles with some intervals to reflect, celebrate in some cases. To renew yourself and get ready for the next battle. So what do you need to go through life? You need an endurance. You cannot afford to quit in the middle of any battle. Bible tells us in Proverbs 24 and verse 10. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Jesus put it like this in Luke 9 and verse 62. He said, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You started on this journey. You find the ground hard to till. It's really hard work. Not time to go back. No man, having put his hand to the plow, but looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. So diligence must be coupled with endurance. So three things from the ants. They are highly motivated, they have foresight, and they work very hard. They're very diligent. What I want to do this morning is share some practical insights, some practical action things that you and I can do 
to ensure that you and I stay motivated through the year in pursuing our goals and our dreams. To ensure that you and I practice having a forward-looking focus because it is so easy to get trapped by the disasters of the past or get so caught up with the pressures of the present that you fail to look ahead into the future. I want to share some practical insights that will help you and me be diligent consistently. Diligence plus endurance as we go through the year. I want to share with us about seven different things uh, here this morning that will be of value to us as we move into this new year and try to follow the example of the ants. Many of these things I've gleaned from the teachings of uh, Dr. Mike Murdoch. He's been a great inspiration and he has the ability to communicate very, very concisely, precisely truths from Scripture. Put them in neat statements that really have impact. And so I've gleaned several of these things that I'm about to share with you from him. And over the years, I tried to follow them in my own life. So I'm sharing this with you. Seven things will help you and me. Stay motivated. Keep looking forward. And couple diligence with endurance. You all ready? Number one, ritualize practice or maintain a daily rhythm. Ritualize practice. Maintain a daily rhythm. Nothing will ever dominate your life unless it happens daily or at least regularly. You and I must remember that success is an hourly event. You know, many times we think success is the outcome. Rather, success is an hourly event. Every hour, you are determining whether you're going to succeed or not. So success is not just the outcome, it's happening every hour. Your daily habits are carving for you an irreversible future. So the question you and I need to ask ourselves is, am I maintaining the habits which will take me to my desired destination? Because what you do every day, your daily rhythm, your daily routine is taking you somewhere. So establish a daily routine that will create the future that you desire. Daniel is a great example in Daniel chapter 6 in verse 10. Bible says when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. You know, Daniel is an amazing person because he was a Jewish boy taken as a slave into the Babylonian Empire, Nebuchadnezzar, that just invaded Jerusalem. And in that place, he excelled. He became a top-ranking official in Nebuchadnezzar's government. And in due course of time, the Persians overthrew the Babylonian Empire, took over that whole region. Daniel continued in the parliament of the Persian Empire. In fact, he was now about to be made the president next to the king. Amazing. Jewish boy to rise up to such heights. And so we think, you know, his success was because of the anointing. His success was because of the gifts and truths, because of the anointing gifts. But do not forget that undergirding his anointing, undergirding the God-given gifts, was a daily routine that sustained him. What was it? The Bible says here that every day he prayed three times a day facing Jerusalem. He did it right from his early days. So here, when there was tension in the workplace, when there was conflict in the workplace, when all the prime ministers were conspiring against him to throw him out, he wasn't shaken. He just went and he did what he always did. He went and prayed before God. A daily routine will determine whether you reach your destination of success or not. It's important for all of us. For me, I'll just share this with you, just my own personal thing. You don't have to follow this. For me, I usually go to bed between 9 and 10. I've been doing this from the time I was a 
time I was a teenager. So you sleep early. For some of you, I understand that your day begins at 9 p.m. But I sleep between 9 and 10. But then I wake up early. That's just my norm. Somewhere around 4 o'clock in the morning. Sometimes earlier, sometimes around that time I wake up. Six hours of sleep and wake up. I spend the first part of my morning with God. You know, if your day begins in the night, then what you hear in darkness, you can speak from the housetop. If your day begins in the night, the victories you gain in darkness, you can walk during your day. Amen? I hope you understood those things. So my day begins around 4 o'clock in the morning. Please don't call me, you know. Oh, I know pastors are awake. Let me call them. <laughs> no. That's the time we spend with God. So it begins there. That's just my norm. Now, of course, you know, there could be things that disrupt it, but generally that's it. And then somewhere between 5.30 to 5.45, I hit the gym. So I spend between 5.30, go out, do, do my jogging, and then go to the gym till about 6.15 or 6.30, between that time. Now I know things can disrupt it. Sometimes there might be a late night. You have to stay up. I have to make some calls, do some extra work. Sometimes I might wake up at 1 or 2 o'clock at night and write a book. If I'm writing books, that's when it's written. It's written in those midnight hours when all of you are sleeping. Or maybe you're awake. I don't know. But that's when I like to sit and write. So some nights happens that way. I write books and all that in the middle of the night. But generally, this is the normal routine. Sleep, get up morning, go to the gym, come back, and then get in the day's work. And what I found out is that your life is plugged into a daily routine. It becomes easy. You know, you don't have to get up and say, body, wake up out of bed. It's time to go. No. As soon as your body wakes up, it's looking forward to the next thing. It's ready to spend time in the presence of God. I'm eagerly looking forward to getting out there and doing my jogging, getting into the gym. It's looking forward to it. I don't have to force my body to do it. It's set in it. And it's just a pleasurable thing. Early morning fog. It's so cool to be able to get out there and uh, jog or get to the gym. It's amazing. It's really good. Number two, see the big picture. You need to have a picture in your mind or several pictures in your mind Of where you want to reach in life. You need to see the big picture. It's so important to paint on the canvas of your imagination. Pictures of your desired outcome in life. Where do you want to be? What do you want to become? What do you want to accomplish in life? See the big picture. You will never leave where you are. Until you decide where you like to be. Intolerance of your present. Creates momentum. That propels you into your future. While we are thankful to God for where we are. We have not reached a place of being so contented. That we get comfortable with the present. You've got to be intolerant. There has to be a holy dissatisfaction with where you are. Knowing that there can be so much more to who you are. And what you can do and what you can accomplish. And that intolerance of your present will propel you and give you momentum to move into your future. You've got to have a picture of where you want to go. Pictures are the seeds for ideas, energy, and change. When you can visualize, when you can picture your destination, your future, they energize you. They give you ideas of how to get there, strategies, and they will motivate you to change. Many of us allow our past to cripple us. Things that have gone on in our lives. And we allow our past to hold us captive. And therefore, we are unable to enjoy the present and move into the future. What are the pictures that dominate your mind? Are they pictures of your past or pictures of your future? Here's what God says. He says in Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, Do not remember the former things, nor even consider the things of old. Don't allow the past to paint itself on the canvas of your imagination. Don't allow that to come up. Behold, I will do a new thing. Paint fresh pictures. Paint pictures of success, even if your past has been one of failure. Paint pictures of victory and triumph, even if your past has seen defeat and disasters. 
paint such new things. God says, I will do a new thing. That gives you absolute license to paint pictures that are totally opposite to your past and bring hope and bring success and bring inspiration for your future. Philippians 3, 13 and 14, Paul puts it this way. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind and I reach forward to the things which are up ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. What is Paul saying? You know, I'm not going to let the past hold me down. I'm pressing forward. My mind is filled with pictures of, of something greater, something better that God has in store for me. I'm pressing towards those things. And pictures of your future, the big picture, can bring much inspiration, can help you stay motivated. We need to let go of what was and start pursuing what is to come. Amen? In the mornings, there are some times in the morning, and I want to go out to exercise. My body gets, suddenly gets very spiritual. My body starts talking to me and says, you know, you can read the Bible some more. Or you can pray some more now. It's very cold outside. So even the body gets very spiritual at times. But that's when I bring into my mind the big picture. I tell myself, you know, why am I exercising? Because when I'm 82, I want a body that's strong. I want a body with muscles in tone. I want a body where I can travel the world and preach the gospel. I will not allow my body to weigh me down when I'm 82. That's why I exercise today. Amen? I think you should clap when I'm 82. (laughs) So that's why I exercise today. Because that's the big picture that I bring in front of my mind. I say, you know, when I'm in my 70s, when I'm in my 80s, I want my body to be strong. And then I look at all the other men in the 70s and 80s whose bodies I do not want to have. And I say, that's not, that's not what I want to be. And that motivates me. Pictures energize you. That's why I exercise now. Because that's what I'm pursuing. Amen. So have the big picture in your mind for different areas. This is where I want to go. And that's what will motivate you and me. Number three, pursue something that excites you. Have dreams and goals that excite you and fill you with enthusiasm that keep you motivated. Enjoy the experience of what you're doing now. Enjoy it because if you enjoy it, you will definitely come back to it. You always return to your place of pleasure. So enjoy it. Now, when you are starting out a new discipline, we all know this, that the early stages will always be painful. The first time you go to the gym, the first time you go out for your jog, it will be painful. But remember that pain passes. So tell your neighbor, pain passes. So that pain that you're going through is not here to stay. It's temporal. It will pass. After all, it took you a lifetime to get to this moment. Might as well enjoy it, even if it seems painful. And joy is the proof that you're pursuing something that God wants you to enjoy. Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 13 says this, And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. You know, it's God's gift for you and me to enjoy what we're doing. It's a gift from God for you to enjoy it. So don't think it wrong that you're enjoying something and you're pursuing what you enjoy. It's a gift from God. Number four, write your goals. You know, New Year's Eve service, I'm sure many of us stood up before God. We listed out 25 things during prayer time of what we wanted to do this year. A week later, I know I said 25 important things to God. What were they? It's all gone. You forget all the important things that came to your mind. And some of them may have come to you from the Holy Spirit himself saying, these are things you're supposed to start working on this year. But because we failed to write them down, you know, after a week or 10 days later, we forget those things. So I encourage you. 
Write down your dreams and goals. Because that will make you more decisive. And it will help you refresh your dreams. You can go back to that piece of paper or that document in which you put it down. Look at it again and again and again and again. It will keep you inspired. It will keep you motivated saying, this is where I'm going. These are the goals I'm pursuing. So write it down. And uh, writing it down will also enable you to link the tasks that you need with your schedule. To get to those desired uh, outcomes. And it's a biblical principle because in Habakkuk 2.2, God says, write the vision, make it plain so the one who sees can run. Or literally it means the one who's running can read it. Meaning, write it in such a way that even somebody just having a cursory glance at it will get it. That's the way I want you to write the vision. Make it plain. So put down those goals and those dreams. Write it down. And I did this towards the end of last year and I shared this with you. I sat down, I said, God, you know, another decade is over, 2001 to 2010, another decade is over. And uh, I like to look at life in decades and years of 10. So I said, God, you know, for the next four decades, I need to know what are going to be the objectives of each one of those decades. I want to write it down. So I opened up my Excel sheet, listed up the years here, 2011 to 2020, 2021 to 2030, 2031 to 2040, 2041 to 2050. Next four decades. Okay, God, tell me, what are the objectives? What must I push? I want one objective for each decade. So this decade, the objective is to come into your spiritual inheritance. Walk in everything God has for his people. Okay, Lord, what's, what about the next decade? It's a decade to affect cities and nations. Focus on other cities and other nations. Okay, God, what about the next decade, 31 to 40? It's a decade to affect nations and governments. Okay, Lord, what about the next decade, 41 to 50? It's a decade to be a spiritual father to young men and women all across the globe. So I wrote it down. Each decade has an objective. Then I said, God, okay, now what should I do? What, what, let's, let me expand this single line that I've written for each decade. Expand on it. This is what I will seek to accomplish during this decade. And then in a separate word document, I need to work out the strategies on how to achieve those objectives for each of those decades. And each decade, I need to prepare for the decades up ahead. I make sure that in this decade, I get myself ready to get into the next decade to affect cities and nations. And when I'm in those, these decades, I need to prepare myself to come into the decade where I can affect nations and governments. And so on. And I go back and refresh myself. Read it again. Read it again. Knowing that this is where God wants me to go. Amen. Just an Excel sheet. You can do it. You can write down what God speaks to your heart for your future. Number five, make order a habit. Order is simply the accurate arrangement of things, people, and events. Order is very important because if you increase order, you increase productivity. If you increase productivity, it helps you stay motivated. Because every time you finish a task, it gives you a sense of feeling that, hey, I want to go for more. But when you fail to finish something, you feel a little disappointed. You tend to pull back. But order is important to increase productivity. They will ensure productivity. I don't imagine God waking up every morning and saying, let there be light. He said it once. Put it in order. It's going on now. So set things in order in our lives. And that's what we see from the ants. Although it may appear like a big collection of several thousands of ants, there is perfect order in the way they all work. One ant to the next ant to the next ant to the next ant. There's perfect order even in that. Number six, take renewal breaks. And you and I understand that, you know, it's, while it's good to have a daily routine, sometimes it can get so monotonous. 
It's like even going to the gym. Sometimes it can get monotonous. So I have a routine. One day I work the upper part of my body. The next day I work the lower part of my body. So I don't get stuck up in, in things. And you need to give that kind of a break for your body. So one day the upper part. Next day the lower part. Another day the upper part. Another day the lower part. So there is variation even within what you're doing. And you need variation that way to keep you energized. To, to just enjoy what you're doing. Because something that monotonous can become a grind. And difficult to follow through every day. So take renewal break. And even God said this for us. Six days work, seventh day rest. Now, when some of us talk about rest, we think about sleeping the whole day. That's not what God meant. Rest simply means to recreate. Recreation. Do something that renews you, right? It might be sleeping. It might be resting. Might Whatever. It's up to you. It's different from each one of us. But basically, you work six days. And then on the seventh day, do something that renews you, recreates you, gets you ready for the next six days. So take renewal breaks, even in what you do, because that will help you stay motivated, stay focused, couple diligence with endurance, keep looking forward rather than losing steam. And lastly, linger in God's presence. Psalm 16 verse 11, the psalmist said, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You know, many of us wonder, you know, how am I going to figure out pastors in for 40 years? I can't think for 40 days. Now we're trying to figure out, man, what are the next 40 days of my life going to be about? Here's what the psalmist says. You will show me the path that my life has to take. You will show me the path of life. Who? God will show me. How? In your presence. See, it's connected. God reveals his plans to you as you linger in his presence. And for the psalmist, he says, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. I just find absolute joy, delight to be in your presence. And it's in his presence that God shows him the path for his life. So stay in God's presence long enough to hear his plans. There are commands and instructions and then there are plans. God releases commands or instructions in inspired moments. Throughout the course of the day. But he reveals his plans to us for life as we linger long enough to know his heart. See, during the course of your day, suddenly an inspiration will come. Call so-and-so. Do this for so-and-so. Go there. It's an instruction. It comes to you in an inspired moment during the course of your day. You're not even necessarily praying, but you've got an instruction from God. And you follow through, you do it. So instructions come in inspired moments, but plans are revealed so you've got to go in his presence and say, God, I'm just want, I just want you to show me your heart for me. What is your purpose for my life? And as you linger in his presence, as you find delight to be in his presence, in your presence, Thomas said, there is joy. I'm so happy to be here. Why? Because you will show me the path for my life. So linger long enough in God's presence for him to reveal to you his heart for your life. I want to close by just reminding us about the word of the Lord for 2011, that this is a year of harvest. But you cannot harvest if you do not sow. So, your effort, your time, your diligence in the very specific things, expect God to bring you a harvest. Ants, highly motivated, they have foresight, and they're very diligent, hardworking. And God says, look at an ant, watch it closely. Let it teach you a thing or two. As we get ready to close the service, I want you to take a few moments to pray. And please reflect on... Some of the things we heard this morning, the many things that said, but the Holy Spirit may quicken one or two or three, a couple of these points, these truths to your heart. And we need to take some time to respond to it before we leave. We talked about having a daily routine or a daily rhythm for your life. Maybe some of us need to work on that. So I want you to pray about it.
Maybe some of us need to see the big picture that's forward-looking rather than looking back. And so this morning, as we take a few moments in the presence of God, I request you to pray and say, Lord, please take down these pictures that are hanging on the walls of my imagination, pictures of my past. Give me brand new pictures of the future. Because you said, do not remember the former things, nor consider things of old. I will do a new thing. Maybe some of us need to get a little excited about what God's given us to do. The work we have. Because when you are excited about it, it'll energize you. And it's God's gift to you to enjoy what you do. Maybe some of us need to go and write the visions, the dreams that are in our hearts. Some of us may need to make order a habit in our lives. Just some of us just need, may need to linger more in God's presence so that we get to know His plans for our lives. Whatever may I have spoken to you this morning, I request you to please take a few moments to pray in the presence of God. All permanent change comes from within. Motivation and inspiration must come from within you to do what God's called you to do. While it is true that one right person influencing your life correctly can unleash your greatness, you cannot still be dependent on that right person. You've got to pursue God from within. Can we take some time right now to pray? Everyone praying here this morning. Spirit of the living God, we welcome you to bring about permanent change in our lives. By working deep within our hearts. Where no man can reach. No human can touch. But you have access, Lord. So come, Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you that you have a plan and a purpose for each one of us. None of us standing here are accidents. But we are divine destinies unfolding here on earth. We are God's dreams happening in time. We are the workmanship of the master craftsman. We are a poem being written by the greatest poet. We are the work of the potter's hands. So Father, I pray that you will give us grace to co-labor with you, to walk with you into the destinies you have for our lives. Father, we just want to linger long enough in your presence, God, for you to teach us the path of life. Because you do want to do that for each one of us. You do want to reveal your dream for each one of us. Your purpose for each one of us. Lord, I pray that every man, woman, boy, and girl, and child in this house will become men and women of destiny. Men and women who are saying yes to a heavenly calling. Men and women have heard from heaven and are pursuing a dream that's been birthed in the heart of God. Men and women, God, who nothing can shake, but who have set their faces like a flint. Focused. Men and women of single purpose. Pursuing that which God has ordained for their lives. May each one here, God, see your purposes accomplished in and through us. May each one of us delight your heart and bring great pleasure to you, Father, we pray. And we give you thanks for doing this for each one of us. In Jesus' name. Let's close. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org 
Also visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.